This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. I say it every time, every show, did you miss me? I'm back. You had to miss me a little bit this time. For the first time since we started the podcast, I did not put out a podcast last week. And I have good reason. Um, so here are the reasons. So uh, we're, we're going to get into it, but uh, Tuesday night, Contender Series, good friend of the podcast, guest of the podcast, good friend of mine, Chris Curtis, fought on the Contender Series. We'll unravel that. So I actually recorded um, about 30 minutes of a really hateful rant on Tuesday night. Just a real ugly, I'm cussing, I'm yelling, I'm, you know, it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So I recorded it and saved it, and then the next day when I woke up and got home from work on Wednesday, I I listened to it and said, you know what, that's just that's an ugly look. That's just uh, that's just not for me, right? So then um, Wednesday, I had a little bit of a, a little under the weather. My little uh, my little one was sick, and uh, old dad got sick. Had a little stuffy nose and uh, sore throat, and I tried to record Wednesday as well. I dumped the uh, Tuesday night one and record Wednesday. And it just wasn't uh, it wasn't great sounding. My voice was horrible. Um, if you can barely put up my voice now, you're welcome for not uh, submitting you to the terribleness that was my voice when I was a little sick. And then Thursday was her year, uh, her first birthday, my little one's first birthday. So I couldn't possibly record her. My wife would cut my head off. And then came Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all that. Um, just decided to take the weekend to really collect my thoughts because every time I would think about the contender series and and what went down, I would um, I sound really angry, and I think I still have some anger. I think I'm gonna still sound angry when I talk about it. But um, and then there was no UFC this weekend, so I didn't feel like I need to rush one out. Um, so there is one. There's obviously UFC Singapore this weekend. I'm a little behind. I'm sure you guys are. Gonna, I'm briefly gonna go over UFC 225. I'm sure. You're Tired of talking about it. Hit a little topics that uh, I found interesting to talk about, and then we'll do um, Singapore picks, hot take, and top five. So let's start off. I've teased it enough. The contender series. Oh man, where do I begin? So if you don't know the contender series, Dana White. Um, not not Dana White. UFC decides to have these local. Homegrown. Um, well, I should say local. These these guys that have been uh, haven't had their shot yet. Who who possibly deserve their shot? They have five fights, so there's ten fighters. And at the end of the at the end of the night, Dana White um, gives out a contract. They they did this the first time last season. It was a hit. There was a lot of stars that came from the show. It's a really good idea. This year, the very first premiere episode was last Tuesday. Good friend of mine, personal friend and friend of the podcast, Chris Curtis, was competing on it. And uh, I think he got completely fucking hosed. It, it It's just so hard because I'm such an MMA fan. I'm such a UFC fan. And I try to put biasy aside. So I'm going to explain it without biasy as just a casual fan, okay? So there's five fights. First fight was Holland versus another gentleman. Holland um, has a lot of talent, but he didn't show up. He showboated a little bit. And he won a decision, could have finished the guy, um, dropped him a few times. Oh, he fought Will Santiago. Duh. Could have finished Will Santiago a few times. Will Santiago is not uh, a middleweight. They were fighting at 185. Holland kind of goofed around, got dropped himself because Santiago's got power. I knew off the get-go he wasn't getting a contract. Dana White doesn't like that shit. 
So I knew he wasn't getting a contract. This and and then I now remember I have my casual hat fan on. So I go, okay, that guy's talented. He's not getting a contract. Next up, you got Montel uh, Montiel Jackson um, versus a an Italian fellow. I'm excuse me, excuse me. I don't remember his name. I don't have it in front of me. Um, that's the, that's the risk you run when you do it a week later is is you forget the names. But uh, and that's what casual fans do. They forget the names. Montiel is a very. I've heard of. Uh, excuse me. I've. Uh, Heard his name before. He's a wrestler. He is a good striker. Comes from a good camp. He looked okay. Had a lot of fouls. Um, looked like he could have got the guy out of there quicker. He dropped him a few times, but um, just didn't show killer instinct. But looked very talented. Next up, you got Greg Hardy. I know Greg Hardy from the NFL. I know he did some things in the NFL that wasn't great. He's making his pro debut against another guy who is um, a former NFL player. They actually got drafted the same year. And Austin Lane, who has had a few MMA fights. Um, fight starts off, big guys thrown, heavy leather. Obviously not a lot of head movement on our defense. And then Greg Hardy ended up catching um, catching Austin Lane and putting him down and knocking him out. And the rest was history. Then the real main event, you had Chris Curtis versus Sean Lally. On paper, the most, the most experienced guys there, probably the most toughest guys there. I think Sean Lally is a very durable, tough guy. He has never been finished by strikes or knocked out before. Um, comes from a pretty good camp, is primarily a striker, tough guy, big guy, coming down from 185 to fight Chris, who is you know a, a natural welterweight. And the uh, fight starts um, pretty slow. Chris was getting some feeling out process. Sean Lally was uh, flicking his left hand out there like he does. He has a nice jab hook combination. I actually thought Lally would press and Chris would uh, counter, but it was actually the opposite. Chris was, Chris was pressing forward and I'm um, hitting him with some left hands and whatnot, and uh, Chris's boxing looked superior. Second round, Lally comes out a little more aggressive. It's a little bit of a close round in the beginning, and then Chris tags him and wobbles him um, a few times with the left hand. And uh, it, Sean Lally's all busted up, and Chris doesn't have a marker in his face. I think he took a couple shots in that second round, Chris, that is. But he ate him well, and, 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 nothing, and nothing rocked him. Nothing got through. Third round come out. Um, Chris is still looking good, still looking like the best fighter on the show. Lands a super kick. Actually, what it's really called is a hook kick. Drops Lally. Lally doesn't know where he's at. Finishes on the ground. Incredible knockout. So now I'm thinking that's the best performance in the show because this guy's 18-5. And he looked like a true mixed martial artist. The main event, Alonzo Menafield versus uh, Deshaun Boatwright. Menafield's coming back from last season. And he finishes the guy in like eight seconds. Uh, Boatwright threw a kick, got caught on the ground, and was over. Danny White comes out, deliberates for maybe five, ten minutes with uh, McMahon and Sean Shelby. Decides to give Menafield a contract and Greg Hardy and tells everyone to fuck off. Not really, but he did. So that's my casual fan hat, right? That's what happened. Oh, a little bummed out. I thought Chris Curtis should have won because as a casual fan, I was a pretty sick knockout. He looked like he was the the most experienced fighter. Now as a personal, now as me, as an MMA expert, and a, and a personal friend of Chris Curtis, that's complete fucking bullshit. So ignore the first two fights. Even though I think Montiel Jackson will fight in the UFC, Holland could get a short uh, short nurse replacement because he does he does have a good style. I don't know if he's a, if he's an eighty five er. He might have just jumped up there. I think he might be more of a, a welterweight, but he does have a nice style. He's got a striking like kind of an awkward style. I think if he gets matched up with the right guy, he'll look really good. Montiel Jackson, same way, really good grinder, really good wrestling, really good striking. I think he'll make the UFC. Greg fucking Hardy, I have no tolerance for this guy. No, no, I'm, I'm, uh, okay, I'll go with Greg Hardy and then I'll end on Chris. 
Because I don't really want to talk about Greg Hardy that much. The last time I did this on Tuesday, all I talked about was Greg Hardy. Anyway, Greg Hardy, you know how many guys in the NFL are bad guys, right? There are so many out there. McDonald, I'm, his first name's escaped me from the 49ers defensive lineman who was very good. He was like torturing his wife or girlfriend. He's out of the league, right? Ezekiel Elliott, who is a very good running back, he was caught hitting up his girlfriend. He's in the league. Ray Rice would be in the league, but there was video evidence of him actually hitting and knocking out his wife, who uh, then testified, said, oh, no, everything's fine, which is bullshit because she realized the payday is gone, right, because no, no team's going to touch him. If you don't know Greg Hardy's story, it's a pretty simple one. The guy's a piece of shit. He hit his girlfriend, got caught back in 2004. Uh, video evidence or pictures evidence was released of bruises and markings all over. She said she choked him. He had a drug problem. He had this. He had that. Um, this is probably the first time she reported it. I seriously doubt this is the first time he did it. And um, so they go to court. Uh, he, at the time, he was playing for the Carolina Panthers. They suspend him until they can do a you know proper you know investigation. Goes to court. She doesn't testify for whatever reason. Make your own decisions on why she doesn't testify. And so the state has to throw it out because, you know, she's not going to testify. She's the only witness, you know, whatever. The NFL at the time does its own independent investigation and finds out, you know what? This guy's suspended from the league. We're done with them, right? The Carolina Panthers drop them. They're like, if this is what the NFL found, then we're riding with the NFL. See a guy. Then the Cowboys take a chance on him. Of course, the Cowboys are like, you know what? A guy deserves a second chance. Just like with Dana White saying. So we're going to give him a second chance. So he gets a DUI and then um, gets suspended from the team and then a few short uh, months later gets caught with cocaine possession. This is from 2014 to 2016. So this is four years ago and two years ago, respectively. And then he gets kicked out of the league altogether. And then about a year ago, I guess I heard that he was going to try to make his MMA debut. That's what he wanted to do. That's what he wants to do. I think he's down American top team down in Florida. So, he comes on the Ultimate Fighter and fights another NFL player, Austin Lane, who's 4-0 in MMA. But let's let's not kid yourself, right? All four of those fights happen pretty quickly in his career because he's a fifth-round former draft pick of I, I, maybe the Bears or something, right? Defense lineman. Got a good look, tatted up, what, what have you, tall, big beard, big hair. And he fights Greg Hardy, right? The UFC. And Dana White jumps out of his fucking seat like he's never seen a knockout before in his life. The first minute of this fight was just a slot fest. Greg Hardy does not know how to get hit. Greg Hardy was shocked when he actually got hit because he this is his pro debut, and he was fighting amateurs before this. And the amateurs he's fighting looked like uh, the little fat kid from Sandlot, the little redheaded kid, uh, Ham. I mean, he was fighting guys with body types like that. So he comes to the pros, comes to the UFC, comes to the big show, would have never got invited if his name wasn't Greg Hardy. Would have never got invited if he wasn't a former Pro Bowl NFL player. Dana White's defending him all week. Everyone needs a second chance. Yada, yada, Comes in, knocks Austin Lane out. And the only punch that was a good punch by Greg Hardy was a punch that knocked him out, right? Knocked him out, knocked him out, hit him left hook. Dana jumps out of the seat like he's never fucking seen something like that before, which is mind-blowing, right? They're heavyweights. This, is what, this, is, this happens, right? Everyone can get a knockout like that when you're that fucking big. Greg Hardy's a good athlete. Greg Hardy's also a piece of shit, right? I don't think he deserves a second chance. That's just my opinion. If you are a male, any kind of man, if you're a real man, you put your hands on a woman, there's no coming back from that, right? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really hard on second chances. I do believe people deserve second chances, but wasn't his second chance when he got 
a busted for cocaine. I mean, when you got kicked out of the league for a multi-million dollar contract where you're a former pro bowler, you couldn't hold your shit together for a little bit that you got kicked out of the fucking league, right? I mean, you got kicked out because you couldn't control yourself. So you pissed a million dollars away, and you're like, well, I'm big. I'm athletic. I'm just young enough where I can do this MMA thing. This is what bothers me about this. And what bothers me even more is the UFC is encouraging it. What's gonna st- Ray Rice is probably sitting at home, who was a very athletic guy, who's right around the same age as Greg Hardy, maybe a little older, and goes, wow, okay, so my NFL career is done. I'm going to go start MMA, get these big paydays. UFC will hire me right away. It's setting a bad precedent. Dana White said in 2014 that it, you can't come back from that. Anytime a guy puts his hands on a woman, you just can't come back from that. I don't know the direct quote, but he did say it. It was going around on Twitter. So I guess he changed his mind when Greg Hardy's here because Greg Hardy, obviously, um, some big sports outlets were covering even his amateur fights. People were talking about it because he was a troubled NFL star who had a lot of talent. And uh, yeah, he, he's, he's kind of a hot button in the media. People like that. And that's what that's what we're coming to. But no one realizes. And I'm not saying no one. I just did. But people don't realize that this guy is not a good guy, he, you know, and. If you're rehabilitating yourself and you change and everything like that, it's one thing to get sober like you are. But every interview I've watched him, he gets so defensive when it's brought up and he doesn't act remorseful at all, right? He acts like, oh, you got to know your facts or this and that. Listen, there's no facts. There's pictures. Even if this woman was um, not forthright and you guys had a lot of problems or whatever like that, maybe she wasn't right in the, the mind or, or whatever whatever excuse you're saying – what? Why would that give you right to put your fucking hands on her, though? That's what I don't understand. Not to mention, I've watched MMA for a long time, and I, I've rewatched his fight, and I've sat there and I've, I've casually tried to take everything away, like I didn't know him. I don't think he's that talented, right? He's athletic and he's young, and he could get there, but I don't think he's there. I don't think he deserves a contract. The fucking Ultimate Fighter heavyweight season's coming around the corner. You want ratings for the, potentially your last Ultimate Fighter? Put him on that. Like you did Kimbo Slice, you know, Dana talked about him more than he did Menafield because this is what, this is what this business comes to. The UFC needs to change the C to the E like the WWE did. It used to be WWF, World Wrestling Federation. The UFC needs to change the E to entertainment because that's what's becoming more important. I, I get the CM Punk thing, right? Even though we'll get to that, how horrible he looked. I get the move they made. I understand why he was on pay-per-view. I understand the dollars. But CM Punk is a former uh, former wrestler who had millions and millions and millions of followers and fans. One of the biggest guys, stars at the time. So you, you want eyes on him. And then you got Greg Hardy, who doesn't have that following. He just has his NFL. There's a lot of former NFL guys that came over to MMA that have not done all that great. Um, I just don't get it. It bothers me. That he got the contracts. Alonzo Menafield, I, I, I mean, you need uh, Menafield in the UFC. That's just the second time through the ultimate, or excuse me, the contender series. I don't think his knockout or his finish was all that great. I know it was very quick. I think Boatwright was off balance on the kick. I don't think the punch landed. Menafield's obviously a big, powerful guy, finished on the ground. Menafield's got a good look. He's in a division they need, desperately need help in 205 pounds. And so I get that. But what I don't get is why you don't sign Chris Curtis, who is far and away the most talented fighter on that card. You look at anybody's social media that's in MMA media after that fight, and everyone's baffled that they didn't sign Chris Curtis. He fought the toughest guy on the show. Sean Lally is tough as nails. And Chris broke his hand in the first round, 
was still throwing his left hand, broke his left hand. He's a southpaw. He throws a really wicked lead left hand. I'm sorry, uh, straight left hand. And he pieced Sean Lally up, bloodied him after the first round. Second round, Lally corner was like, you need to press forward, you need to do this. Came out strong, landed a head kick, landed a right hand. Sean Lally coming down from 185, big, powerful guy. I thought that's all he had was some power, and he hit Chris, and Chris... I mean, took him very well, but his movement, his head movement, his boxing, his his no his, his he knew distance. That's what so people don't understand in MMA is distance is such a big thing. Chris would be pressing against the cage and he would whip these left hands in there, clean left shots, and it might not seem like much because Sean Lally's taking it because he's a fucking he, he was a goddamn stud. But a couple of those left hands got through and wobbled Lally. Chris hits like a fucking truck. He was landing huge shots on Lally. Big right hands, left hands over and over again. Some leg kicks. Lally didn't throw as many leg kicks as I thought he was. It was a tremendous fight. Chris was a patient killer in that fight. He knew what he had to do. And then the finish. I mean, it's a hook kick, but he fucking Shawn Michaels sweet chin music, this guy. Put him on Dream State. Should have let could have been a walk-off KO. He could have walked away. That guy did Lally didn't know where he was going. Then Chris brutally falls up with TKO and wins. Guy's got a great personality. He's been in the, more experience than anybody on the show. Got trains out a great camp. Is an exciting style. He's not going to take you down if he doesn't want to take you down. He's going to stand and bang with you. He thinks he's the best striker in that welterweight division, and it's hard to argue with him. His boxing is out of this world. And as a personal friend, that's my MMA expert take, my personalness with him. I've seen Chris, and I haven't been there since day one, and I haven't been there since because he moved out. He's trained out in California now. But I was there for about two and a half years, and him and I became really close. And the way this guy cut weight, the way this guy disciplined himself, he would sleep in, in between training sessions because he didn't want to, at the time, he'd have a car to get back home. He wanted to... Um, you know, help young guys when he didn't have to, right? Me being one of them, I came in and I'm a little older than Chris, but you know, I was new to MMA. Chris had been doing it for so long. And this guy was just, and, and that's really rare in MMA gyms. Most people keep them themselves. Like a lot of those guys at the gym when I first walked in just sized me up right away. Chris came over and was like, hey man, let, you know, you know, I don't know, I don't know what he fucking said. I, I I I didn't I don't have it written down, but you know, he was very forthcoming and he was very, very nice guy. So I've seen this guy, I've seen this guy run sprints to cut weight to take a fight on short notice. And he's starting at 196 pounds, trying to cut down to 170. The guy's an ultimate pro. The guy's a class act, the guy is world class. And for the UFC not even to give him a shot is a fucking joke. Greg Hardy, I understand you want to sell tickets. I understand you want to do all this. As much as I disagree with it because I think he's a bad fucking person, put him on the ultimate fighter. You sign Chris Curtis, who's the number one guy on the show, and you sign Menafield because Menafield deserves it. Uh, there's, no, uh, there's no knocking on Menafield. He deserves it, right? But they didn't do that. And, and I don't think they offer – and there's always, you know, a lot of people are tweeting. John Anna commented on a few tweets. Everyone's like, why didn't Chris Curtis get signed? And John Anik's like, well, he'll, he'll get he'll get something short notice. Chris broke his hand. He's out probably 12 weeks. And then he and then he uh, announced his retirement on Facebook. He posted on Facebook, I'm retired. That kind of made his rounds on the internet. I hope that's not true. I know Chris is a, is a headstrong individual. I know he's flirted with this in the past just because it's it's been hard for him to kind of make the money that he wants to make to support his family. I know he has kids and he's living out in California. He's away from me. He's sacrificing a lot. I know he's emotional, and um, and how could you not be? He put on one of the best performances a contender's ever seen. I, 
if you if you just look at his his just his overall skill, I mean, I prefer that over a quick knockout. I mean, look at the guys on the other fighter who come out and knock someone out quick. Like, how good do they do on the other fighter when they actually get put in a fight? Greg, there's no one in the UFC heavyweight division besides maybe um, junior baby diaper boy Albini that I think Greg Hardy could beat. And even then, Greg Hardy gets taken down. It's over. I mean, what, he can't get up. I just think that's a publicity thing. But um, I hope Chris isn't done. Uh, Chris is is um, a guy that needs to be in the UFC. I think uh, the welterweight division needs a guy like Chris. I think Chris could rise up fast, put on exciting fights. He did the Baywatch slow motion running after he won the knockout. Had a really good classy interview. It was a very intelligent person, very well spoken. Um, I can't say enough about him. And this is, I mean, this is, I am biased, but also this is the truth. Um, I'm not blinded by the truth. I would have told Chris if he didn't have a great performance. I wouldn't be sitting here. I might be sitting here complaining about Greg Hardy getting a shot because I do think that guy's a piece of shit. But if Chris went out there and, and laid a goose egg or even maybe even lost, I wouldn't be like, oh, he deserves to be in the UFC, which I still think he might because he's put in his dues. He's 18-5. and five. He's the most experienced guy in the show. He's beat a lot, a lot of guys. I mean, he's won, I think that's eight or nine, ten in a row. Menafield's, all Menafield's ones are, are he's 7-0, and, oh, and all his wins are, um, by guys that have losing records. And the guy who fought, Deshaun Boatwright, hadn't fought in like three years. He was 3-0. It's a joke. I mean, it's simply a joke what they did to him, and uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. And hopefully he, hopefully he's happy and he's at peace with the decision. I, if he doesn't want to fight anymore, then he doesn't want to fight anymore. I think he's got um, some people around him that will will pursue him not to do that because you know they're, they're out in California with him training quite a bit and they see his hard work his dedication you see it in the cage i mean he's just head and shoulders better than uh he ever was when he was here and that's saying something so that was tough for me that was uh that was upsetting that was uh that was a real rough night um i think i did pretty well i ran it for about 20 something minutes and uh i didn't really get too worked up um hopefully i made my points that i wanted to make you know sometimes i kind of just ramble on but that's it. The contender series uh, really, uh, really did a number on on my brain, and I, and I can't imagine how uh, Chris is feeling. and And I hope him, I wish him the best. I've I've reached out to him. We talked a little bit the day of the fight, and I've reached out to him since. I'm sure he's getting bombarded with messages and and whatnot. He's trying. He's he's trying to figure out what the hell what the hell went on. Um, but hopefully, we'll sit down and talk. Uh, may, you know, maybe when he is retired, months down the road, we can get him back on the podcast and. Uh, just talk about his uh, career and, and, and uh, yeah, it'll be good to have him back on. So love you, Chris. And uh, that's about it. Let's get into some current news. Besides 225, which we'll go over briefly, um, there wasn't too much current news this week. I've, I've been trying to follow up on it. I mean, I, I ranted about the contender series. That was a big thing for me. But a lot of things that's getting a lot of heat is the Michael Bisping, Colby Covington little interview exchange on Fox Sports One after the fight. Colby, you know, put the headset on, was talking to him back in uh, LA, and you know, Colby's a, I don't, I mean, he's a, he's got the gimmick where he's a confrontational kind of guy and stuff like that. I do think, you know, the bit's wearing thin with me at least because I think he's corny. I thought he, I thought he fought great. But uh, Bisping, you know, I don't know. It's it's a problem. Like, I think Michael Bisping, he he called the contender series. I thought he's very good. Um, he's good on the desk. But this is this is the problem you get when you get these fighters that are very, you know, maybe that's what Fox wanted. Maybe Fox wanted something like that. I just think it's a little unprofessional. I think uh, it was Colby's time. You know, it was Colby's moment. Uh, you shouldn't have a a guy that's very combative and and wants to argue and maybe has said some bad things in the past. 
Again, I mean, this kind of went around the internet, so maybe this is what Fox wants. That's why they they put you know new people on the desk all the time. You know, Tyron Woodley's worked the desk. I'm surprised they didn't throw him on there for because uh, if Colby would have won, they would have had a nice little exchange there. But you know, I just I don't really know what was said. I know they challenged each other. I know Colby took offense to what Michael said because he had it in a different tone. Just some alpha male shit that happens. Uh, but yeah, I do. Um, uh, I do think that was a little. A little ridiculous. I do like Michael Bisping in the media aspect. I think he needs to tone it down a little bit. He's too headstrong, and I, and I see this happening quite a bit. I'm kind of glad they're going to ESPN. I don't see that happening much in ESPN. I think ESPN is gonna is gonna employ um, guys that aren't going to be directly of, affected by certain things. I'm sure they'll have guest fighters on every once in a while. It's unlike any sport. Like they, you know, they have NFL guys on when they're on a bye week, but. You know, some guys go a couple months in between without fighting. I just think it's a little bit of a conflict of interest. I wish they would maybe do just retire guys. They're going to have Chael. They're going to have to find a new host for their panel show for, like, fight nights and whatnot. Um, I know they have a, a, a nice, talented roster over at ESPN. They can probably insert anybody in there. But I mean, that's where John Anik got his start. It was ESPN and, and MMA, Live, MMA Live took off. And um, now he's uh, one of the best uh, fight callers in the game. Uh, that's another thing I wanted to bring up. I was talking to my buddy about this. It's shocking because I've been watching a lot of Fight Pass. It is shocking to go back and listen to how bad Mike Goldberg was. I, I think I've talked about this before, but John Anik is just so much head and shoulders better than Goldberg. It was just like one of those things where it's like all you've eaten was vanilla ice cream your whole life. That's what you're used to. You're used to vanilla, right? And it just that it is what it is. It's ice cream. It's good. You, you like it because that's all you know. And then all of a sudden you get introduced to chocolate. You get introduced to cookies and cream. You're like, holy shit, get out of here, veteran. How did I only eat you? Um, maybe a poor example, maybe a poor analogy. But, uh, yeah, John Anik's just head and shoulders above Mike Goldberg. It's it's painful to go back and listen to some of those old fights. Another thing, too, um, since this is a very anti-fuck Snoop Dogg podcast, Snoop Dogg has been on the Internet going around uh, hitting mitts, boxing. People were like, oh, Snoop's got hands or like that. He does not have hands. The guy's 6'10", throws a good jab, and then that's it. There's no power behind any of his shots. Um, I I feel like I should have addressed this because you know I, it is a fuck Snoop Dogg podcast. I did say if he ever comes to Cincinnati and I ever come uh, ever come across him, I will slap him. I want to uh, assure the MMA takes fan uh, fan base that um, the video of Snoop Dogg boxing does not worry me at all. I will ruin him within three seconds of encountering him. So don't worry about that. That's a, that's a non-issue. So you guys can rest easy. Last thing, Connor was in New York last week. He did this, uh, he had like a little hearing for the Dolly incident. Um, I think he made a statement, maybe made a plea and then left. And I think, you know, lawyers and whatnot are working on a plea bargain. I'm sure it's going to be involving some money, maybe some community service or whatnot, which I don't think will be a huge deal. But if it has to happen in New York, that might be a big deal. I know he has since stayed in New York. I don't know uh, too much about it. I know it got a lot of media coverage and um, that dork Bob Fox, Robbie Fox. Let's get let's, let's get the elephant out of the room. Robbie Fox covers MMA for Barstool Sports, who I am a fan of Barstool Sports. And he's just no good. I think maybe I've talked about it before. This is episode twenty-four. I can't remember everything I've talked about. But uh, he's, you know, he's just he, he put this video up, and he's just this, you know, he's just this dorky guy. And my friends kind of bust my balls because they know how I feel about him, and, and I don't think he's. Ta- I don't think he. I'm going to say he's not talented, right? I just don't think he's funny, and I, I've never laughed at anything he's done. 
and he's a Connor fan. He's not an MMA fan. He's a Connor fan, right? I don't know many MMA fans like if you who are Star Wars fan who has a lightsaber tattoo on the forearm mixed with a giant wrestling fan, right? Some MMA fans are wrestling fans. I am not. I'm literally an MMA and football fan. I mean, I like other sports as well, but those are my two. Um, but calling me a football fan is like calling him an MMA fan, right? He's a Connor fan who just happens to fight MMA. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, die hard. They just happen to play in the NFL, so I kind of follow the whole league because you kind of have to if that's your team. So we're um, they did like a little video of him staying in a courtroom. He had signs, he had a shirt, he had all this. He met Connor. Connor like shook his hand, said thanks, but Connor thought this guy was a make a wish kid. Connor's got a big heart, does a lot for the um, Ireland Hospital there for the kids and stuff. That's kind of the hush hush. He doesn't like talking about it too much, but yeah, this he he thought that uh, Robbie Fox was a, a make a wish kid. So fuck Robbie Fox, the guy sucks. All right, so that's all the news. Um, let's just get to two twenty five real quick because you know it already happened. I don't want to bore you over everything, you guys. You guys know what happened. The one thing that is shocking to me is I went 0 for 9 on my picks. Um, I really, th- I mean, the last podcast, I, I was so excited. I thought the underdogs were going to take it. And uh, they did not. They did not. CM Punk was my my guy. I thought I was going to win. He looked absolutely awful. I didn't think I was serving. So see what happens is you sit there and you you know you watch the fights and you, you have your bets put in and all of a sudden you'll lose. You'll lose a parlay. You'll lose that bet. So then you go and rebet. So I was wrong. These, these nights happen every once in a while. You know, Michael Jordan doesn't score, you know, 30, 15, and 10 every night. And neither does LeBron James. So, I mean, you can't expect me to always go perfect. But I've never been over. Over was bad. You know, I think towards the end I just started betting underdogs because I need to, I want to make my money back. But uh, we'll briefly go over the Anthony Smith looked tremendous against Rashad Evans. I wrote an article about how you can't count Rashad Evans out. Former champion coming back up to 205. Yeah, still has talent, yada, yada. I mean, he he just looked like a neutered version of himself. Didn't look aggressive. Got ragdolled by Anthony Smith, who is a former 185-pounder. Rashad was always a smaller guy at 205, but always, you know, was never never got out-muscled and just got – didn't even look like he knew how to clinch. And then, you know, just Anthony Smith just brought his knee – his head down, brought his knee up, lights out for Rashad. Um, I thought Carla Sparza, when I put money on her, she was at a plus 405, which I thought was insane. I actually thought she won that fight. She lost a split decision to Claudia Gadele. I thought that line was absolutely ridiculous. So I should probably take a half point for there because Carla, a lot of people thought Carla did win, and it was a split decision. Uh, Curtis Blades looked tremendous against Alistair Overeem. I, I, I generally, generally am surprised by how good Curtis Blades wrestling is. I, I really didn't think he'd be able to take Alistair down that easily. Brutal, brutal TKO uh, with the knee. Basically a knockout. But it was a TKO with elbows, and Alistair was cut up head to toe. Mike Jackson with CM Punk. Awful, terrible fight. I knew it was going to be a slot fest. I thought CM Punk was going to be, like, the tougher guy and just got outclassed everywhere, gassed, you know, showed a little bit of heart. I respect the guy for doing it, but this should be it. I mean, I, I no one's going to pay to watch him fight again. I mean, if you can't beat Mike Jackson, you can't beat anybody. I mean, it, it, it's, it's what it is. Tied to Avos versus Andre Lasky. Pretty good fight. Andre Lasky like almost turned the clock back here. He looked fantastic. It was a closer fight than uh the unanimous decision. I, I thought one judge might have had it for Olaski. He was a pretty big underdog. I did not bet Olaski. Um Holly Holm versus Megan Anderson. I had Megan Anderson. Looked good in the first 30 seconds. And then Holly Holm, uh, she rocked Holly Holm, hit Holly Holm with some big punches. And then Holly Holm decided to become a wrestler and uh just 
completely dominate the rest of the fight. Megan Anderson just not ready uh, ready yet for you know that level because if she fights Chris Cyborg, you know Chris can Chris can put her down either way, you know, with her hands or take her down. Uh, Colby Covington versus uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, RDA. This is a really interesting fight. I had RDA. He was a slight under. I thought he was a better fighter. Colby impressed me with his motor, just pressing forward. Two judges had a 48-47. I didn't think it was that close. I thought I thought Colby won um, easily the first two rounds, maybe in the first three rounds. I thought he, he – he, I had it 4-1. to one. one judge did have that 4-1. to one. Um, RDA decided to kind of wrestle and change up his game plan late in the fight. He, he impressed me with the high motor as well. This will be a fight that could happen again. So Colby is your interim champion. He called out Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley then posted a message very aggressively saying, I'm going to kill him. Like, the UFC is not going to let me fight again because I'm going to kill this fucking guy. Um, I'm impressed with Colby. I think his hands are really – I mean, it's the pressure style, so he doesn't have to have the cleanest boxing. And I hope he hits hard. He doesn't look like he hits hard. But, you know, that pressure, that grappling – um, I wish he would clean up his hands a little bit. His, his boxing is uh, really bad. And then the main event, Robert Whittaker versus Joe Romero. Tremendous main event. Probably fight of the year so far. At least there's a round, in the, uh, round of the year in there. Robert Whittaker, man. Bobby Knuckles showed so much heart, so much toughness. And I, I was blown away by how tough he was. He won the first couple rounds. And then Joe Romero, just 41 years old, being the freak that he is, hit Robert Whittaker so hard Dropped him several times, almost had the fight finished, but I think he was, he, he knew Robert Whittaker was so tough, he didn't want to blow his gas tank out. Incredible fight. I loved it. Uh, I loved it from every second of that fight. I loved it. It was very interesting how Yo came out. Really high guard. Robert Whittaker was picking his body apart, picking his shots really nice. Broke his hand somewhere in the first round, which is surprising. He went five more rounds. Robert Whitaker, who I who is a guy who I think was very average. I think I've called average before. Um, didn't look very didn't look like a world beater at 170. That weight cut must be. I mean, he's a young guy too. Um, there's not much to say. You guys know all everything about it because it's been talked about like crazy. Um, they don't need to run it back. Yo, I, I would like to see yo. If this is the second time he's missed weight, right? Missed weight for a title fight both times. This time was point two. I know he's going to sue the commission. He had two hours. They didn't give it to him. Um, Dan Lambert, the uh, American Top Team owner, went on Anna Conforian's podcast and discussed how they're sitting there with the doctors ready to cut weight, and they, the, another doctor who wasn't in the room said, all right, get him down here now, and the fight's off. So it is what it is. Um, I would like Yo is a shorter guy, stouter guy, but I, I think he'd be really interesting at, at 205 if, that, if that's the next for him. Robert Whitaker just needs a rest, man. That guy's getting beat up, broke his hand. I'm sure something in his face is broken. He took a big beating. What's next for him at 185? I think, I mean, you got to go Kevin Gastelum because I think he's more ready. Um, Chris Weidman's sat out. He His last fight was against Kevin Gastelum, albeit he looked tremendous in that fight. But he's got a thumb issue, a pretty nasty thumb issue. I think Kelvin could be ready now. But it's really all depends on uh, Whitaker um, when he gets back. And uh, – uh, it's a split decision win by Whitaker. I don't have a problem with that. I wouldn't have a problem with y'all one. I thought it was a really close fight. I think a draw might be warranted. That uh, fifth round was a 10-8 for sure. So that could have been a draw. So that's two, uh, 225. I try to steamroll through that because, again, I'm a, I'm a week due. I'm a week over. I don't want to talk about it. You guys have probably heard about it enough. And if you're listening to that, you knew everything I just said. So uh, why even did it, right? <laughs> Fuck me. Um, so let's go to UFC Singapore. And this card is um, on paper dog shit. I'll be honest with you. The main event's really intriguing to me because um, I like Leon Edwards a lot, 
and I like Donald Cerrone a lot. Uh, I don't think uh, either of these guys could be in a boring fight. Co-main event, Ovid St. Pru versus Tyson Pedro, who is Tyson Pedro is another guy. A lot of these Australian, New Zealand guys are coming up. They're, you know, there's a, a really hot bed down there in MMA right now. Um, for a while there, there wasn't like really world-class guys. Robert Whittaker kind of opened the door, tied to Avasa. Mark Hahn obviously has been around forever. And Tyson Pedro um, is another one. He is a uh, a really, really talented fighter against um, against a, a pretty good test at uh, 205. I think Ovis, you don't know which one, what Ovis is showing up, but I like Tyson Pedro a lot. I think he's got a good look. I think I like his style. Um and his only loss is to Lolita Latifi by decision, so he just got out grappled in that fight. Other than that, I mean, he's he's put he's put a beating on a lot of people, a lot of submissions, a lot of TKOs. Um, so the rest of the card, uh, you got Jessica Clark, Jessica Rose Clark, excuse me, versus Jessica I, eh, nine versus ten. Both girls, I don't think are. Uh, I think it's gonna be entertaining fights. I think they are evenly matched, but I, I don't think either of them are gonna be. You know, fighting for a title. Jessica Rose Clark actually has looked really good in her last couple fights. So um, I like her in that fight. I don't have any lines right now. Do I have lines? Yeah, I don't have any lines right now. I might, you know what? I mean, they always say get back on the horse, right? Oh, and nine. My, my confidence is completely shot, guys, right? I needed a weekend this past weekend to really take a breath from betting because oh, for nine, lost some money. Uh, not my style, okay. I'm the I'm I'm the best handicapper in the game. Just ask anybody. But uh, you know, you got a week like that. But anyway, so I don't think I'm gonna bet. You know, I might bet the Leon Edwards Donald Cerrone card. I, I would like to know who the favorites in that. But the the main card, I mean, or I'm sorry, the the undercard. Matt Snell is a re- uh, really new guy. Uh, I like Snell. He was on the um, that Cage show on MTV and the Ultimate Fighter. He's just like a reality star, handsome guy. Talented as I'll get out. I wish he wouldn't get hit as much. I think his chin is a little bit. He's fighting Nanoki Inu, who I don't know much about, but this guy's 11-0. God, why? You know more about him, Brian. Our little hiccup there. The uh, the wife and baby just got home, so I got to finish up here. Don't have a professional studio yet. That's coming. So the undercard, uh, a lot of guys I, I generally don't know all that much. Um, I know match now, I know everything like that. Really, the two main fights in this card. I mean, Singapore, they're 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 airing it live here, so it's gonna be ADM, you know, weird times like that. So Open St. Proof is Tyson Pedro. This is a really good test for Tyson Pedro. I think he's a pretty well rounded well rounded guy. Open St. Prue, again, you don't know which one's showing up. He's uh I think he's he's been a little uh not as aggressive as I like him to be because he's been caught in the past and been put out. I'm, I'm going to imagine this is going to be a pretty close line with Tyson Pedro being the favorite. I know Ovin St. Proof is highly ranked. He's seventh over Tyson Pedro's 13th. I like Tyson Pedro. I'm going to give I'm going to give it to the the, the younger guy. I think he uh, I think he's going to have a tough fight in his hands because you know he's he needs to get the fight to the ground. Ovin St. Proof's not the easiest guy to take down, but I like Tyson Pedro in this fight. Then you got Donald Cerrone versus Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards. Uh, we'll jump right into the hot take since we're talking about this. I think Leon Edwards is going to be ranked. By the end of the year, I think he'll be ranked in the, the top five. I really do. He's been calling out Darren Till. He's a tremendous striker. He's got some losses on his record. Uh, Kamar Usman beat him because he's, Kamar Usman is just a freak. I like to see them run that one back. Donald Cerrone looking like an aging fighter a little bit in his past couple performances. Um, coming to Singapore, Donald's always game. I just think when you get a real – Donald fights a really clean striker. I think he kind of freezes a little bit, gets a little hesitant. 
And uh, Leon's a really good clean striker. He's got great, uh, great hands, great boxing, decent kicks. Um, puts guys out. He's got pretty heavy hands. He's a little, he's pretty well rounded, but uh, his takedown defense is lacking. So if Cerrone, you know, wants to come in and take him down, Cerrone has very underrated takedowns. That'd be really interesting to see. But I like Leon Edwards big in this fight. Um, you know, I'm gonna find the odds for you because that's just the kind of guy I am. I like uh, I like uh, pleasing the masses. So I'm gonna find the odds on this one. If you hear any background noise, this is my daughter tearing up the living room. So I apologize. She is a She's a, she's she's a she's a crawler. She's a, he is a crawler. Okay, so this is taking forever. But anyway, I like Leon Edwards a lot. This guy is uh, world class. I don't think he's talked about enough. Let's see. Leon Edwards is a minus two hundred favorite. Wow, that's a big. He's two by basically two to one. And the Pedro Pedro is the slight favorite over over Saint Proof. So that makes sense. The only other guy I'd be interested in betting on is Match Now. He is the underdog. I don't think in new way in you. I can't pronounce his name. Sorry, I'm not Japanese. I don't think he's been tested enough. I think Schnell's talented enough to really handle himself on the ground and the feet. Um, and uh, 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 Schnell, though, that chin just kind of worries me a little bit. But that's uh, not a big enough line uh, to really put some money on it. So that's Singapore. Sorry, it's not the best. I mean, they're kind of they're sliding a card in there right before the big card on uh, July 6th weekend. I'll have. Two or three podcasts out that week for the for everything that's going on. There's two cards that week. It's the biggest week in the in in, in MMA at the time. So that's it. I snuck in my hot take there. I don't know if you. I'll reiterate hot take of the week. Leon Edwards could be top five. I think he's gonna steamroll. I don't, maybe not steamroll. I'll, I'll backtrack that. I think he'll beat Cerrone. I think he'll finish him. I think he'll he'll make a statement. And I think if he doesn't run into another wrestler, I think he could fight two more times this year. Put him on an American card. He likes to talk. He's got a good good voice. Carries himself well. Um, a talented guy, exciting guy. I think you bring him to America. I think you give him another striker. Darren Till will be interesting. Um, there's a there's a lot of fights at 170. Chris Chris Curtis would have been really interesting. That would have been a really fun fight. Uh, I take Curtis, but uh, those cocksuckers didn't sign him. Um, but yeah, Leon Edwards can be top five by the end of the year. I think that's my hot take. And then we'll go top five. All right, top five this week. It's going to be top five fights they have to make in 2018. Full uh, little disclaimer here. I could have added all five Connor fights. Could have added all five Darren Till fights because, though you know those guys are are uh, guys I want to see fight. I mean, there's matchups in every division that these guys could do. So I'm limiting myself to one. They're both could be on the list, but you know you're welcome. I'm uh, I'm a Humble guy for doing that. So anyway, we'll start off with number five. It's going to be Kelvin Gaslam versus Robert Whitaker. I said earlier I thought this was a fight to make. I still do. Both guys I think could make 170 still fighting 185 pounds. I think that should tell you everything there needs to know about weight cutting. I think uh, these guys don't need to cut so much weight. I think you can be successful at other ways. Kelvin Gaslam is not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, packs a big punch. Robert Whitaker. Really, I mean, he he's, he's must be made of granite, but he's also another guy who's not really big. But I think he's good. They're both good for the weight class. That's a fight I'm really interested in to see. I think Kelvin, I think he is a really world-class guy. I think he's top of the heap. I know people are trying to interject Chris Wyman. I think Chris Wyman's got to fight one more time before he gets that spot. I know he beat Kelvin, so he's always going to hang his hat on that. But Kelvin's been more active. Uh, Chris Wyman needs to fight Jack Ray first. Kelvin needs to fight Whitaker. Um, and I'm really interested in that fight. That's going to be a tremendous fight. Number four is going to be Uriah Hall. The winner of Uriah Hall versus Pablo, uh, Pablo Costa versus 
Adesanya. Adesanya, uh, Israel Adesanya, he's my guy. He disappointed me a little bit in his last fight. He fought uh, Vanette, who was a is a tough out. Adesanya is fighting on the the main event against Brad Tavares in Vegas. I think he's kind of I think he's kind of called a shot, and I, and I think this is interesting. Uriah Hall versus Paulo Costa is a really good fight. The fight that's not going to talk about a ton. Costa is a fucking Brazilian Superman. He's ripped to shit. Uh, Uriah Hall usually doesn't show up for big fights. I know Paul, uh, Paulo can do whatever he wants to Uriah Hall, which is shame. I think Uriah's really talented. But uh, so yeah, the fight to make is Paulo Costa versus Adesanya. I guess I wrote it down. Uriah Hall, the winner of Uriah Hall, Paulo Costa. But I mean, the winners could be Costa. So um, Adesanya versus Costa could be a tremendous fight. Big, strong. They're both completely different, opposite styles. Big, strong, ripped-up guy who's a who's a fantastic striker who can mix it in against a really world-class striker who's kind of tall and lanky. That's a fight I won. I think uh, Adesanya is calling for it as well. So give the people what they want. Number three, Darren Till versus Kamar Usman. It could be Darren Till versus Leon Edwards. It could be Darren Till versus the entire vision. I put him at number three. I think Usman's the fight to make. He's called for it. He doesn't want a title shot. He wants Usman. I know Usman wants a title shot, but I think he'd take a crack at Till because Till's got so much hype around him. Um, uh, if they book a Colby Tyron fight, one of those guys falls out. I think Kamara should get the call. But meantime, book them in the fall. Book. I know Darren. I don't know if Darren Till wants to fight sooner than later, but book them in the fall. Maybe. Maybe. It'd be nice if they get on that Lincoln Nebraska car, but I don't think that's gonna happen. You gotta put that in pay per view, or maybe even headline overseas. Not really sure. This fight very much interested in. Second one, a lot of people probably gonna disagree with this, but one of my all time favorite fights of all uh, that I've seen in the past couple of years has been the Cruz uh, Dominic Cruz TJ Dillashaw fight, which happened several years ago, and then above that would be the car- Cody Garbrandt versus Dominic Cruz. I just I think Cruz is so high level with his skills and his mind, and I think. Anytime these guys have to fight him, he they have to fight at such a level. And so I want Cruz versus the winner of Dillashaw Garbrandt. I know you got guys like Marlon Marais in there. You got uh, Hafia Sunsau in there in the mix. I wouldn't be upset if Cruz fought one of those guys before getting the, the winner. But I would eventually like to see Dominic Cruz versus the winner of Dillashaw Garbrandt. I love that Garbrandt fight. I watched it. I mean, I watched it live, and uh, I, I had money on, on Cruz. Garbrandt surprised me with his ability. I, I didn't think he was that talented. And now I'm a Cody fan, Cody Ohio guy. I like Cody a lot. Um, I love TJ, too. I think TJ's good, too. I rooted for TJ. And the, their fight's amazing, too. I, I can't wait for that fight. I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I just I just love they're so They're both so, all so talented. And Cody's got this crazy power. He might not. He might lack the footwork and the skill of Dillashaw. And, you know, and Cody, let's just be honest, that's the smartest guy in the world. But uh, I'm really, really looking forward to all that. And number one, I mean, you guessed it, Connor Khabib. That's the fight everyone wants to see. Everyone wants to be a part of that. That's gonna be huge. Um, they're going to Russia in September or uh, September, I think. But they're not making that fight. They're obviously gonna save that for Vegas because they uh, UFC or Vegas got UFC in their back pocket. They got to make money for Vegas. Connor can fight anywhere and sell out. I would like them to do that in New York. But uh, we'll see. And then and then a consolation prize, if it's not Connor Khabib, Connor Ferguson's just as good. Maybe not just as good. And then Khabib Ferguson. I don't know if they'll ever make that fight because it's fucking cursed. But uh, if they do, I'd be interested. So that's my top five fights that they need to make in 2018. So good show. Got a little, got a little uh, 
If I sound a little nasally, it's because I got a little still still residual effects. So that's it. That's the show. I had to stop about ten times because dogs barking, UPS guy ringing at the door. I mean, what do you got to do? What do you got to do? Um, but I will be back next week. I'm going to recap. I like to record on Mondays. I like putting them out on Tuesdays. I need to stick with that. If someone wants to pay me some money, I will gladly do that every week. So life gets chaotic. Sometimes I can't do it. Sometimes I can. But uh, that's that's the plan from here on out is to record on Monday and Tuesday. And then if I want to, I can record on Thursday. I put one out Friday. That's the plan, man. Back from vacation. Got to get back on the grind. Um, I like doing it. I like listening to you guys. I have uh, hit a little milestone, 500 followers on Twitter, which is great. Have uh, quite a few listeners on this podcast. So if you listen and you don't follow me on Twitter, please do listen to the little uh, message at the end of the show and uh, and enjoy the uh, the uh, enjoy the social media game of of MMA takes. It's um. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't tweet enough, so for you to bother me. But if you want to follow and mute me, that's okay too, as long as I get the numbers. I'm a numbers guy, but I appreciate you guys for listening, and uh, I will see you next week. All right, ah nuts, the podcast is over, but that's all right because you can hit the subscribe button and get a notification every time I post a new podcast. And while you're over there, you can rate and review us as well. If you need more content, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MMA Takes. And don't forget to go to MMATakes.com for all your MMA needs.